From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour as we're launched into our 24th year on the air. And thanks to everybody who has helped us along the way. Uh, so Bishop Wiegand's uh, idea a long time ago in 1999. And uh, then Bishop Soto has been so supportive and been a regular guest on the program. And all the people have helped with underwriting and uh, support along the way. And, of course, uh, you, the listeners, uh, are the most important part of this ministry. So appreciate everybody that's helped us. And, of course, all the wonderful guests we have had. Uh, it's just it's uh, I can't keep track of all of them. It's just so wonderful to be able to talk to all these uh, people who are out there spreading the faith and uh, making this a better world. Uh, indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we are glad today to welcome in uh, Betsy Reifsnyder, who is a parishioner at St. Francis right here in Sacramento. Uh, Betsy, good day to you. Good day to you. Did I pronounce your name okay? You did. I'm very impressed. Oh, it's very not good. Not an easy one. <laughs> not, not an A+, plus, but an A at least. An A plus. <laughs> okay, very good. We're <laughs> off to we're off to a good start. Uh, wonderful piece about uh, uh, for the love of creation and uh, the parishioners at at Saint Francis, uh, a great parish here in Sacramento. Uh, all you are doing uh, wrapped around Laudato Si, but I get I get I just get the feeling that uh, a lot of you have been doing this for a lot of years, uh, long before Laudato Si came out. Yes, that's true. That is true. Tell us, tell us what has, what you are doing at the uh, at the parish level. Well, at our parish, um, we have a ministry that we call Pathways for Justice, mm -hmm. and it's our social justice committee, um, and uh, we have been working on various issues, um, immigration. Um, uh, gun violence uh, mm -hmm. prevention, um, homelessness, and, of course, care for creation. And uh, in a way, uh, the issues around climate change affect each and every issue um, that we could possibly imagine. It affects um, immigration. It affects homelessness. It affects um, housing issues and um, uh, jobs, farm worker issues, and on and on. Uh, it affects uh, food supply, affects uh, uh, distribution of food, affects all kinds of things. It, it, is, it is all interconnected. Absolutely. So when, when Laudato C came out, what was your impression? Oh, my gosh. Um, and I, I can't believe it, but I'm still getting teary-eyed yeah. every time I think of it. Um, when that came out, uh, I was working as the environmental justice manager for Catholic Charities in the Stockton Diocese. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had been working a lot around um, air pollution issues and climate change issues and, and water issues. And when this came out, and Pope Francis uh, said right at the get-go of the encyclical, this is meant for um, all people to have a conversation with all people. And it was so all-encompassing. Um, 
I um, was asked, actually, uh, to uh, give an overview of Laudato Si to um, the environmental nonprofit groups who lobby the state legislature. Mm -hmm. And when I came and talked to them, I can still remember the person who represented um, the uh, Society Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, mm -hmm. and she said, I read this whole thing in one sitting, and she said, I was in tears. The Pope mm. even mentions gill nets. And wow. every yeah, and yeah. everybody there, few Catholics, mostly not, um, they too were just uh, so grateful, so grateful. And the Pope not only talks about um, systemic issues, the larger issues, but also what each one of us can do. And he tied it so beautifully to um, uh, uh, care for the poor, care for the earth, and how every single creature from um, the, the smallest microbe to the, the greatest um, uh, creature that we can imagine and to the universe, how it truly is all connected. Um, as I said, I, I, was, I was in tears, and it certainly was. Um, um, it lit a fire under me. But yeah, it, it, it's interesting because you, you, I, I, I remember reading about, I have a sister who lives in Tucson, and I read their paper, and, and there was something about, you know, heat islands, and uh, it's already pretty hot in Tucson in the summer. But in the, in the poorer areas, there's less vegetation, there's less shade, there's less, and, and they actually did surveys, and they found areas in Tucson that were 10 degrees warmer than other areas of Tucson. Yes, and we're finding the same thing here in the um, Sacramento urban areas, mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are some, some areas you go, wow, I can't even see the sun for all the shade. You know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's trees everywhere, and they they're kind of connect over the street and make a beautiful archway. And we have some of those in our my hometown. And then there are other areas uh, where there are scant trees and scant yeah. vegetations. And... Um, you know, and it's it's just uh, um, it. And you when you when you look at the throughout the world where the worst pollution is, it's also where the worst poverty is. And you, you know, as as we heard just in the latest um, uh, United Nations conference that just ended, um, the poorest countries came together and said, "Look, we have caused." The, the least of this problem. We do not um, uh, create a lot of the carbon emissions that the more developed countries mm -hmm. do, and yet we are the victims. First, climate change hits the poorest countries and, and, and the poorest communities first and worst, and we are seeing that. And we who um, have the wherewithal we have a responsibility to help those who are the biggest victims of climate change. I've heard uh, some people describe Laudato Si as "quote unquote" controversial. Is there is there a division among Catholics? Is there a division um, in in the parishes uh, as to what we should do with the the, the encyclical? 
I assume that there is. I personally um, have not seen it. I, I find it interesting that if you can talk with people one-on-one, -on -one, you know, there are people who say, oh, uh, climate change is just a hoax. Mm -hmm. I think more and more as we are seeing the effects of it um, through wildfire, drought, flooding, whatever, I think more and more people are understanding that, no, it actually is real. But even among people who question um, that climate change is really here, you can talk to people about air pollution mm -hmm. and the terrible effects that air pollution has on um, uh, asthma issues right. and uh, heart and uh, heart issues and all of that. And I remember when I worked for the Stockton Diocese, uh, we found that um, air pollution caused more premature deaths than um, all the traffic accidents uh, and cancer combined in our state. I see so, you quoted in the uh, Catholic Herald saying that you're growing up in Southern California before the Clean Air Act, as a kid we had some of the worst air pollution. My lungs would hurt, and, and since then I've had a, a sadness because of how we pollute our earth. Um, I, I can remember the first time I was ever on an airplane, I think I was about 18 years old, and got to fly down to the, to the Rose Bowl, you know, to meet some relatives who were going to the Rose Bowl. And, and, and as I was about to land, and it was the first time I'd ever been in an airplane, I looked down and I said, wow, it's foggy in Los Angeles. And it's the passenger next to me said, that's not fog, son, that's, you know, that's smog. And I had never even heard the term before. And uh, coming from Northern California where we don't, didn't have as much, and it was like, Unbelievable. And then in college, I remember uh, I was on the tennis team, and we would play frequently in Southern California. And it was sometimes, some days, was it was like it was like my throat would just get very raw and sore, and it was hard to breathe. And I and people said it's the air, you know. And I had never experienced that. And now you fly into Los Angeles, and you can see the ground. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And one of the big issues now are um, um, in disadvantaged communities, often in Southern California and in the Central Valley, um, they are very close to um, oil rigs right. that are mm -hmm. still uh, operating. And also the Port of Los Angeles um, and a lot of the issues around the um, big ship containers and the trucks coming in. Mm -hmm. And those communities, once again, you know, when we think, oh, we get our Amazon packages at our door or other things, um, we have to remember that there are communities that are suffering from air pollution um, because of um, our transportation uh, choices that we make. I guess one of the big questions is, 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 as we implement things to clean the air and to clean the environment and to all, all those things, how does that affect people on, on the flip side? Is it, does it affect commerce? Does it affect the economy? And, and in what ways? And is it, is it positive or negative or, or a push? 
my understanding is, and believe me, I am no expert, but my understanding is that as we move toward um, cleaner energy, it, California has shown um, statistically that moving toward a clean energy future uh, actually is also better for the economy. And uh, there are often many jobs in um, the, the clean energy sector that mm -hmm. are, are good-paying jobs. And um, I, we also need to make sure that as we, we move toward um, zero emissions, that um, there is funding for those who have been in um, industries that have um, been traditionally polluting to make sure that they have the opportunities and the wherewithal and the support to transition. I know that the um, California Air Resources Board, um, as they look at, um, at trucking, they've been working with um, those who own their own trucks to mm -hmm. provide grant funding so that they can um, uh, get or um, upgrade their own trucks to make them um, with more clean fuel. Yeah, you know, we, we, we hear uh, frequently it's usually coal and once in a while it's it's oil. Where And, and well, we're going to help you transition and we're going to help you find jobs and and I think there's maybe there's a bit of disbelief uh, among some of those people saying, well, you might help a few people, but are you going to help this whole industry? Because it, it is for them, uh, it's it's their livelihood. And and in some in some of these areas uh, in West Virginia and those areas, uh, it's been a generational livelihood. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think we have to be. Um, very careful and very mindful mm -hmm. of that, you know. And of course, the flip side of that is um, the people who are working in um, polluting industries um, are also at risk themselves. Sure. Their public health is at risk as they are working in these areas. And uh, from what I um, understand, during the last recession, and I hope we're not going into another one. But um, nationally, California was able to show that um, their, uh, our work toward um, clean energy production, um, we were doing pretty fine. We were doing pretty well, much better than those states that were relying on um, coal and gas. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, you know, we're, <laughs> I guess. In in many ways, we're all we're all consumers of things, and sometimes we don't even know the source. You know, we just know it. It uh, I'm hitting that thermostat when it's cold, and I'm hitting that thermostat when it's hot. And um, you know, when it's what was it uh, in Sacramento, 117? Yeah. Not in the well, it was still summer, but it was September. You know, yeah. it was it. It was the all-time record for any day ever, uh, including July and August. And, and uh, I mean, I looked at my wife and we're looking at each other and going, holy cow. And I mean, I know my home, my old hometown of Portland was 116. And, you know, and you're going, these, these, these temperatures are, 
they're breaking records by 10 degrees or 15 degrees. They're not just, oh, you know, you're always going to have a record or two every year. That's just the way it is. But uh, these are stunning. If you told me when I was a kid that one day in this town it's going to be 117, I'd say I'd place pretty good money that <laughs> that, that will never happen. And it did. Yeah, and that is um, the sign of things to come. I mean, the, the, this is the, the trend lines are pointing this way. So this is, um, I don't want to call it the new normal, but um, uh, we are going to be in this situation for um, generations. And the fact that people like you and I are lucky enough to have air conditioning, you know, I think of all the people who don't have the air conditioning, I think of the homeless people out there who um, are, are literally dying from the heat, and then all of the other countries that, um, that are suffering under this, and we're going to continue to suffer under it. And that's why, um, you know, as Pope said in Laudato Si, we, we truly are all connected, and every, every little bit that we can do um, to help um, to help mitigate um, the the terrible consequences, and also do our part to um, to be hopeful and to work together um, to to make things better. Um, I think it's our our obligation. Tell us about some of the things that, 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 that such as. Uh, the bike to church, Sunday. Um, I thought that was very interesting. How did that? How did that work out? Well, you know, that's the thing. I'm I'm so glad that the Sacramento Diocese has um, decided to um, start bringing uh, parishes together. Those parishes who have been working on. Um, environmental issues and care for creation, because we got that idea uh, from St. Anthony's Church mm-hmm. in the pocket area mm-hmm. and thought, oh, well, we can do this as well. And so uh, one Sunday um, we had um, the uh, local organization that, that helps put together events. We um, called on them, and they were able to bring um, extra bike racks and a, mm-hmm. a, a wonderful um, uh, tent, and people would come in, and we would give them a ticket, and we made sure that their bikes were safe when they went into church, and um, uh, we also had our pastor bless the bikes, mm-hmm. and for those who didn't have bikes, we uh, encouraged people, if they could, walk to church or to take public transportation to church. Mm-hmm. So um, so that was very good. And, and I, I looked at um, the, this issue of the Catholic Herald, which uh, you quoted me in, mm-hmm. and just looking at the other parishes and the, the depth and breadth of what people are doing and to the extent that we can start coming together and talking to one another and to see maybe what we can do as a, a diocese, not just the urban parishes, but, you know, the parishes in, in the more rural areas of our diocese. They're doing some amazing work, too, such as, you know, they're putting uh, up solar uh, panels. And I talked to one person um, at a rural parish, and uh, she was talking about their uh, solar panels, 
And I said, well, this is so great for Care for Creation. She said, oh, we, we just did it because it made financial sense. Sure, it didn't sure. even strike me <laughs> that I was doing something on behalf of um, the earth, on behalf of the environment, on behalf of my um, uh, brothers and sisters. So, um, so that was very heartening, too. Yeah. Did, did nobody uh, rode a bike down, up to Holy Communion? No, no. Father did not come in on a bike. <laughs> no, but maybe we can do that next time. <laughs> so, has anybody done a, a parish to parish bike ride? Like, oh, we're going to go to we're gonna, we're going to go to St. Anthony's to mass. You know, you are giving uh, me an idea there. That sounds like a very good idea. I, I think the more uh, cross pollination we can yeah. do, the better. Because uh, you know, up until uh, I think up until that um, wonderful gathering that, that Bishop Soto um, brought us all together, um, I think a lot of us were operating in silos. We knew what we were doing, and maybe we might know what one other parish is doing, but, but now I think we can start um, working with the diocese to make sure that, that we're aware of what everybody else Tell us, tell us about uh, the ecological stations of the cross. I'm trying to imagine what that involves. Oh, that was, and of course, uh, we, we haven't done it during COVID, but um, that was something that um, uh, Brother Mark Schroeder, a, a good uh, Franciscan, mm -hmm. uh, brought to us. And um, uh, it, it looked at each of the you know, stations of the cross that we have, but then trying to figure out um, how uh, it might uh, relate to uh, what's happening with um, the earth and with our brothers and sisters. So, um, you know, something like, um, oh, uh, I'll say, uh, Jesus falls the first time. Mm -hmm. You know, we might say, um, oh, um, what is happening to um, some brother, our brothers and sisters in um, South Sacramento who don't have enough tree canopy and whatnot, mm -hmm. and how is that causing them to fall uh, poverty, for instance? Mm -hmm. And we did all of them, and at the end, um, you know, there was just a dedication for what each of us can do um, to be better stewards of creation in our own lives. Very good. Well, it's a joy to talk with you. And if, if you had uh, could recommend to somebody listening, you know, how to get involved in this, what would what would, uh, what would you say? Well, number one, read Laudato Si. Mm -hmm. It is so easy to read, and uh, it's for all people. And it not only the Pope not only talks about um, the the issues around the world that are, are happening, but I love toward the end where he talks about the Eucharist and the Trinity mm -hmm. and the Virgin Mary and how all of that relates to um, uh, what we can do around the environment and the final prayer that he has. Uh, about um, uh, your 
present in the whole universe and the smallest of your, of your creatures. I would say start with that. And then I would say um, talk to your fellow members um, in your parish. Say, oh, I'd like to start a Care for Creation uh, committee. Who else would like to do it? And then also I would say the diocese, Sacramento Diocese itself has some wonderful responses, uh, uh, I mean, wonderful possibilities. And um, just check out um, uh, uh, Miriam Sammartino's office, mm-hmm. right. which is all around um, uh, social concerns. You can yeah, start uh, there. Catholic and Charities and Social Concerns, yeah. Exactly. And there you should be able to click on something and um, uh, start getting involved. Very good. Well, Betsy, it's a, a, such a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, blessings to you and your family and, and all the folks there at uh, at St. Francis. Well, thank you so much, and uh, a happy Advent to you and all your listeners. And um, as, as we um, await um, the coming of, um, of the uh, Christ child and all of that, it's also a wonderful time to, uh, to be inspired about what we can do Indeed for all is. the earth and all our people. Very well said. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah, take care. That's uh, uh, Betsy Reifsneider from uh, St. Francis Parish and uh, all the great work. You can read all about it in the current uh, issue, the November-December issue of the Catholic Herald. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. 
This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi- Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, They're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. And we uh, are are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. Hi, this is Brian Visitation, Director of Media and Communications for the Diocese of Sacramento. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for that wonderful introduction and all the great work you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, I love this time of year because I know we're going to be able to talk with Vivian Dudrow, a senior editor at Ignatius Press, about great number of uh, children's books that uh, have come out this time of year. Vivian, good day. Uh, good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice, Bob. Uh, things going well, I hope, uh, with Ignatius Press? Yes, we just keep bumbling along. <laughs> you, you just, uh, uh, how many titles does Ignatius publish in a year? Oh, golly. Um, maybe 40. Yeah, boy, that. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. And talk about, uh, I've got, boy, I've got just these, a whole pack of books. I've got, uh, I know a granddaughter who can't, she she waits, says, have you gotten those books from that place? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And uh, um, let's, let's start talking about Julia Greeley, Secret Angel to the Poor. Oh, this is marvelous. This is a biography of a black woman who was a slave, a former slave, living in Denver around the turn of the last century. 
And she was kind of like a, a Mother Teresa there in Denver, um, taking aid to the poor. But she wanted to do it anonymously because she, that's why, that's why the subtitle, Secret Angel to the Poor, mm-hmm. she wanted to do her works of charity anonymously so as not to humble the, the, the people who were in need, you know, and, uh, and not to draw attract attention to herself. It's a lovely story, inspiring story, and it's beautifully uh, illustrated with watercolor, four-color watercolor pictures, and uh, it's really an inspiring story of someone I had never heard of her before, uh, but uh, Julia Greeley was a real person. Well, it, it, it's interesting. What, what, what time frame are we looking at here? We're looking at the early 1900s. That's, uh, you so, know, there, there weren't very many African Americans in Colorado in the early 1900s. No, but after the Civil War, there was a bit of diaspora, you know, mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. with freed slaves right. leaving the South and looking for places they could call home, and many of them did come out west. And very, and, uh, very few probably were Catholic, though. Yes, yeah, so that's interesting. That That's not in the story, how she became a Catholic. It's mm-hmm. possible that... Uh, on the plantation she was on, it was Catholic-owned, you know. The Catholics often went out of their way to make sure their slaves were baptized, uh, and uh, which doesn't justify slavery in any way, shape, or form. But um, it could be that she brought that faith with her. Um, it, it, you know, it's interesting, too, when you said Denver, uh, there's a, a city in Colorado named Greeley. Oh, interesting. Which is huh. not... Uh, not that far from. I think it's about. Well, I know it. It's about an. I was. I was just there, uh, um, and it, it's about an hour from Denver. It's a city of uh, 50, 60, 70 thousand people. There's. A, it's a University of Northern Colorado is there, and it's spelled the same way. Greeley, G R E E L E Y, and I'm thinking, it's probably been there longer than 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 she was. But it's a, it's an interesting coincidence. Yes, interesting. She, her cause for sainthood was uh, opened in 2016. And that was through the, the Archdiocese of Denver? Yeah. Wow. Boy, that's, that's a fascinating story. It is. It is a fascinating story. And to have it in this children's uh, dosage, you know, that's sometimes all I can take, Bob. We need a kid's dose. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it with my granddaughter. Exactly. <laughs> I just got to no, give it to exactly her. That's <laughs> exactly right. Read things with your children and grandchildren. Yeah. It's, it just opens up so many things when you read out loud to children. Yeah. Oh. 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 That is so true. Uh, beyond just the 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 time spent, it's it's such a shared experience. Uh, I look at my my own kids and now and now the grandkids and and that's it's the one thing they at a certain age they really want you to do too. Oh yes. You know. Let's, they let, love it. let's pick a book off the shelf and, and, and read it, you know, and, uh, and they're, they're so full of questions and wonder, you know, and yes. uh, I, I, can't, I can't wait to, to uh, share this book. That's, that's fabulous. Joy, uh, How to Handle My Emotions, Joy. Three yes, this is, this is a series, the How to Handle Emotions series, and we already have anger, fear, and now joy. And, you know, you don't think that, why is joy something I need to figure out how to handle? I mean, isn't that a good emotion, right? And what this book cleverly does is show how, well, joy that's not shared um, can become a kind of 
self-absorption or indulgence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that we're not aware now of how our behavior, uh, joyful as it is, is maybe affecting other people around us. And so this story, as all the books in this series, uh, there's three stories, and they deal with a kind of virtue that a child can learn to help handle emotions. First, listen to them because they're telling you something, but then guiding you as to, well, what do I do about it? You know, I'm angry and upset. What do I do about it? That's what the anger book is. I'm, I'm full of joy. I'm full of exuberance. Well, what do I do about that, and how can I share that with other people? And they're, they're just wonderful stories. They're very spot on with, with the kinds of problems and disasters that children experience. So they're very spot on. Wow, that's that's. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought, you know, we'd have, we would have, I would think we would have sadness and disappointment and, you know, but joy, you don't think of that. And, uh, but that is uh, an emotion that affects people very, very definitely and affects those, right. those around you. It affects those around you. So the three stories, so a girl gets a box of chocolates and the first thing she does is rush to her room and tries to eat them all up herself. So she's just <laughs> excited, right? And, uh, she learns the lesson, well, if you had shared your chocolates and shared your joy, you wouldn't have gotten a tummy ache. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. <laughs> right? And, then the, and then there's a birthday party. The boy's so excited, handing out his invitations, not realizing that a child who's being left out mm-hmm. is, you know, he's just completely oblivious to this child whose feelings are being hurt uh, and, and how to fix that. And then there's another story about a bicycle ride where everybody's having a great time until there's a thunderstorm. And so now, keeping joy going in the midst of a disappointment, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Right? So they're, they're just great little stories. They're brief. Uh, they're age-appropriate. This book is for seven and up. This is the age now when kids can start thinking about their behavior and thinking about how they feel uh, and, 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 you know, making sense out of things. This is the perfect age for this. Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great, great, great theme. Uh, another, and these, this, it's, I've seen this kind of cover before, uh, seek and find the life of Jesus where there's about 400,000 people on the cover page (laughs) and, and they're all doing something. Right. So this is, you know, most of your listeners are probably familiar with where's Waldo, right? Right. You got to find Waldo in this cast of millions and, and so this is a similar idea. You're looking for uh, Jesus, of course. You're also looking for these characters uh, in addition to looking for Jesus. And each, each uh, set of pages is, is an episode of the life of Jesus, his birth, his death, his resurrection, and so on. And it's a, it's a very, you know, pain-free way of learning about the gospel stories of Jesus because kids just love stuff like this. Yeah. They yeah, just I mean, love finding all these little details, don't they? Oh, they do. They absolutely, they absolutely do. And um, then it just brings forth all these questions. Well, why, you know, why is that cat chasing that chicken? <laughs> Which yes. might have nothing to do with Jesus per se, but, yeah. you know, kids might fixate on that. But it leads to conversations about all kinds of things, and you get to pass on to them your wisdom, your experience, your understanding, and then you hear the marvelous things that they observe and they think about and they say, right? Well, I can just see uh, you saying to the kid, okay, how many animals do you see 
in uh, on the cover. You know, and it's like, oh, well, there's two. There's two dogs. Oh, wait a minute. There's a bird. Oh, there's another bird. Uh, oh, there's a goat. <laughs> you know, it's like. Uh, and then in the meanwhile, what's Jesus doing in this picture? Where, and, you know, yeah, where's Jesus? And that's very Ignatian spirituality, by the way, to imagine the Bible scene and start asking questions even to yourself. What is Jesus doing in this scene? Who mm-hmm. else is in this scene? How is Jesus affecting them? How is the story supposed to affect me? You know, to use your imagination is something that St. Ignatius of Loyola encouraged. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is this is a beautiful book. And explain the, who who does the illustrations and they because these are just such beautifully done books. Well, I really, you mean of this particular seek and find the life of Jesus? Or yeah, yeah well, that one partic- in particular. Well, Geert de Sutter. I mean, what is that? A Belgian name? Uh, I don't even know who he is or she is. To tell you the truth, I don't mm-hmm. know anything about this author illustrator. Uh, uh, but um, we can certainly appreciate the work done here without, you know, Googleize this person and see mm-hmm. what you can find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, it's just it's just the the illustrations. Uh, I I know they would be appealing to a kid, but they're appealing to me. Um, oh, good as, as well. You know, it's just like there's 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 just uh, so much activity going on. Um, in, in, on, yeah. on every page, you can't. On every page. You, it's just fascinating. I mean, I could I could see sitting down and saying, "Okay, you know, count the number of people and where again, where's Jesus?" And it's amazing how many of the people are oriented toward Jesus, even though Jesus isn't isn't. It's not like he's up on a podium or uh, speaking to a crowd or anything. He's just being Jesus. He's just among He's the just crowd. being Jesus. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an interesting thing to contemplate right there, because when you think about his miracles, there must have been a subtlety to them, because otherwise everyone just would have believed no question. Yeah, yeah. Right? If they were huge, dramatic events, you, and you can see God's love. He really wants us to choose to believe rather than making us believe. Right. So you really have to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah, like you say. If uh, you know, he'd uh, just <laughs> walk down the street and uh, uh, cured cured whatever disease and uh, put a million dollars in your pocket, whatever it was, you know, and it was just instant, and the whole world saw it. Yeah, it'd it'd be it'd be pretty easy to follow him, huh? Or not, because I wasn't really paying attention. I completely missed it. Yeah, yeah. Or I saw it and then immediately questioned what I saw. Yeah. You know, because I don't really want to believe, because I don't really want now to go, well, after I believe, what's the next step after that? Yeah. Gratitude, worship, discipleship. You know, sometimes it's right in front of our eyes. Of course, we see miracles every day. I mean, we see sunrises and sunsets every day, and we just completely take them for granted. Oh, you know, the fact that your heart is beating in your chest, Bob, and you're not even thinking about it. You just totally take for granted that your heart is beating. I mean, these, these things just don't strike us as being, wow, this is amazing, and who do I thank for this? Yeah, absolutely. We're with Vivian Dutro, uh, Dutro, a senior editor at Ignatius Press in San Francisco. I presume you're still in San Francisco, the Ignatius yes, Press? Yes, we are. Yes. 
Uh, great missionaries throughout the ages, 15 portraits of faith and courage. Oh, this, okay, so this is for older children. That last book, you know, is like maybe five years old. Right. This, this is maybe seven, eight, nine, you know, the age when kids just really get into maps and timelines and, and historical figures. This book is really an accomplishment. There's 15 people in here, different missionaries, some of whom I had heard of before, you know, Paul the Apostle and Francis Xavier. But there are Hudapero Sarah, for those of us in California, right? But there were a lot of people in here I had never heard before, heard of before, and I learned so much about what their work was as missionaries. It's in chronological order. It begins with Paul the Apostle and goes all the way up to this John Bradburn, uh, who was a 20th century British man who went to Africa and kind of ended up a missionary without really knowing that's what he was going to end up. Mm-hmm. You know, never heard of the guy. And, and here's his story, uh, so inspiring. And it's fully illustrated. And as I say, there's maps, and that's so cool. I love looking at maps, and kids at this age usually do too. So they learn geography without really. Um, also, here's, here's an interesting thing. Pedro de Gant, Dante, father to the Aztecs, uh, he was the one who baptized Juan Diego, who had the um, encounter with Our Lady Guadalupe. Right. Right? I had never heard of Pedro de Gante before. And that he to think that he was the spiritual father of Saint Juan Diego. Wow. Who gave us the encounter with our Lady Guadalupe. Anyway, I just learned a on working on this book. It was a joy to work on this well, book. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like you say, uh, and it's nice that, that we're dealing with missionaries from around the world. Uh, we're getting introduced to places that uh, a lot of kids wouldn't have even heard of, uh, and some adults. But yeah, I'm looking at the page with uh, John Bradburn. It doesn't even... <laughs> some of the missionaries have these sort of exotic names. He he doesn't. <laughs> he sounds like your next-door neighbor. Hi, I'm John yeah. Bradburn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's exotic about him is his life. Yes, yes. Just this, 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 this uh, trust in God that led him in all different directions uh, into Af- to Africa, where where he died. Uh, yes, um, he was he was uh, shot by by gorillas. Not. Not gorillas, you know, yes. big hairy beasts, right. <laughs> but, you know, gorilla fighters. Right. The, at this period, there's a, you know, so many independence movements in Africa uh, breaking away from the colonial powers, and but then ending up in civil wars, you know, because now there's a power vacuum. And, you know, a lot of, uh, there's, been, there's been a lot of loss of life involved in these things. And here was a man there serving and got caught in the crossfire, you know. Uh Anyway, it's a very modern story, is what I'm trying to say. This is like, this is the kind of thing that's very contemporary. And to know that missionaries are not just something in the past. Oh, no. See, that, I, think that, I think that's a really, a really good point. And it's, it's one of the, the reasons that I'm, I'm always interested when uh, we have a, I guess, a modern-day cause for sainthood 
I mean, sometimes we have a modern-day cause for sainthood for somebody who lived a long time ago. But, but when we're te- dealing with contemporaries, um, I think it's especially meaningful, uh, n- not just to, to all Catholics and everybody in the world, really, but, but to kids especially, because this is somebody that they, they might have heard of or their parents know this person. I mean, we have a cause for sainthood going now for Bishop Gallegos, um, and uh, he's somebody that, that a number of us in the diocese were, were very familiar with. You know, and can, can, can tell our kids about. Oh, I, I met Bishop Gagos at this event. You know, and it may, it may be just a very mundane, uh, quote unquote, a mundane event. Uh, something just going on. You know, a, a, a parish festival or something. And and uh, not that that's mundane, but but uh, yeah. And he was, you know, uh, there or he spoke or I, I went to mass where he was or somebody uh, the other day told me that they had looked at their their uh, confirmation picture and didn't realize that Bishop Gagos was the one who had confirmed her, you know, wow. you know, just, just and, because it had been so many years prior. And, and the beautiful thing about this realization, you know, that the saints really are ordinary people like you yep. and me yep. through whom God did extraordinary things just because they let him. And, and I think they show you, too, and I, I always try to pass that on to my kids and grandkids, is the power of one. You know, that, that uh, yes. vir- virtually every great movement started with one, one person or a group of people getting together and saying, hey, how can we make a difference? That's right, because we can all, all often feel so powerless, right? Like, well, there's just nothing I can do about all the craziness in the world and the evil in the world. There's just nothing I can do. And, and to see, no, an individual can do quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Maybe even going unheard of, you know, but the good that that person did in his corner of the world had a profound impact on a lot of lives for the better. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't, they don't have to have ever become world famous like Mother Teresa. Or, Correct. You know, that, 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 that's, not, that's not the goal here. The, exactly. The, the, the goal is to help people. And if... if, if <laughs> If you helped one person, if you helped one person uh, find heaven, <laughs> that's pretty pretty profound. Yep. And they find heaven by seeing some glimmer of heaven in you by the good that you do to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wow. What a, what what a joy it must be for you to uh, be able to work on these books. It's a, it is a joy. I I. I feel so blessed to be able to work on these books. I enjoy working on the kids' books more than I enjoy working on the grown-up books, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get so much out of it. So what, what's your background to, to, to being an editor? Good question, Bob. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> I tell I, people say, "Well, how did you get hired doing this?" Or how did you get hired? I say, "Actually, I had absolutely no experience when they hired me, which was exactly. uh, when I started my job in journalism. I walked into a newspaper and and they had a job, and the next thing I knew, I was working for a newspaper. And <laughs> when when the uh, editor uh, we had a retirement party for the editor 20 years later and i looked at him and said how come how come you hired me and yeah. he, he says you want you the, thinking? yeah he says you want the truth i thought he was going to say oh well i saw a sparkle in your eyes you know you were a young man and he says the truth is you were the only applicant <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
<laughs> that brings you down a few notches. It huh? sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, truth be told, I um, got into this through journalism. Mm-hmm. I, I started out in journalism, too. Wow. I, my, my major in college was economics, but I started working for the student paper. Oh, where'd you go to school? I finished at Arizona State. Oh, a sun devil. Yeah, yeah. I finished at Arizona State, and, and uh, I did become the editor of the student newspaper. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but in any case, then when I finished school, I, I started doing freelance work, and I ended up writing for a lot of Catholic publications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, then I got married and started having children, and then um, I was introduced to Father Fessio uh, by, by a former editor of mine, and, and I started working part-time. Father Fessio, mm-hmm. you know, in editorial work, and you know, twenty-eight, twenty-nine later years later, I'm still here. Wow. Well, must be a great man to work for. Oh, he is a great man to work for. He's just—he's a great man, simply. I mean, he's just one of those magnanimous men, uh, you know, instrument of divine providence. Uh, done so much for the church. Part of his ministry is is a great privilege. Yeah, we've we've had him as a, as a guest on on our program many times over the twenty four years we've been on the air. And I remember one time he came up as the, the St. Vincent de Paul Society has a big annual dinner, you know, a big fundraising dinner, and they always have a keynote speaker. And uh, he was the keynote uh, that night, and I just by I guess drew the lucky ticket and happened to be sitting next to him, and. Just all through dinner, you know, and, and getting to, just to to just chit chat and make small talk, uh, it was it was just fascinating to hear his stories, mm-hmm. including yeah, well, you know, including his stories with Joseph Ratzinger. Right, because he studied under Joseph Ratzinger when he was working on his dissertation, and uh, and then when he you know returned uh, to the United States and, and was a professor up at USF here in San mm-hmm. Francisco. Uh, you know, the idea got hatched to to bring some of the works of Ratzinger and Hansel von Balthasar and Henri de Lubach and some of the great 20th century theologians, basically, European 20th century uh, theologians who weren't known that well here. Mm-hmm. That was the founding mission of Ignatius Press, was to bring, to translate those works into English and make them available uh, to English readers in America. And you know, who knew then that Joseph Rothschild would become Pope Benedict the Sixteenth? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so, in any case, that was sort of the founding mission, and the fact that we're even doing children's books at all is kind of astonishing because that's that's not what he started the press to do. But you know, here we are. So here we are, indeed. Well. Vivian, uh, great, uh, you understand deadlines as a journalist. We're up against the clock here. Uh, always a joy to talk with you. Uh, God's blessings to you and your family and all, all your coworkers there. And uh, uh, for a blessed Advent and a, a holy and Merry Christmas. And same to you, Bob. It's always a joy talking with you. Take care. Thanks so much, okay. Vivian. That's uh, Vivian Dudrow, Senior Editor at Ignatius Press. And what a what a... What a great uh, what a great job she has uh, uh, editing all those uh, wonderful books from Ignatius Press, uh, Ignatius.com or your favorite Catholic bookstore. It's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We'll talk to you again soon.
We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. 